I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Dr. Amy Saren, author and neuropsychologist. Her new book is The Stress Switch, The Truth About Stress and How to Short Circuit It. What if it excess stress was not a chronic permanent condition to be coped with, but instead is a specific type of neurological programming that could be cured? What if what you've been taught about how to handle stress was wrong and neuroscience could offer you real solutions. Stress doesn't simply cause isolated symptoms like insomnia, headaches, or the occasional worry. Living with excess stress can ruin every area of our lives. Dr. Amy Saren has developed a step-by-step methods to rapidly short-circuit stress responses and take your life back. As a stress expert, she's spoken at over 100 conferences, has been featured in Huffington Post and Bustle.com, and has been honored with many entrepreneurial awards. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Dr. Saren. Thank you so much for having me. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, so we're going to be talking about stress, and uh, I I would say that uh, most of us suffer from stress, varying degrees, obviously, but your book is about fundamentally fundamentally changing the way people deal with stress. So I guess my first question is, what kind of stressors are we talking about and what is stress really doing to us? So let's define stress because I think everyone thinks they know what stress is. Stress is such an interesting topic because we all, you know, if you ask everyone, they say, yeah, I would like to have less stress, but, you know, how could I have less stress? Because I have a mother-in-law and I have children and I have a, you know, busy life and those things, but we have to go back to the fundamentals and break it down for people because what you've been told about stress is wrong. Um, and we all suffer from it and it's, and it's to some extent hurting all of us in some way. Um, and I'll go into that, but basically stress is your moment to moment reaction to a sensory stimulus. And what that means is if I hear a loud sound, I can, my body will put me into fight or flight without me even thinking of it. Or if I, there's one thought that even is what we call automatically generated, you know, these thoughts that are just kind of circling around in our head. We didn't try to create them. They're just there. One uh, piece of awareness of a thought can actually set our stress switch up. So we have to break down stress to a switch. Thinking of it as a switch, like a dimmer switch in our body. And one sensory piece of information can ratchet it up or down, but it's much harder to actually tone down the stress switch with thought than it is for the stress switch to automatically go up with thought. And therein lies the key problem in what we're told about stress, because whenever we notice it, people say, oh, well, just take deep breaths or do this or that. And really, um, fundamentally, that is not how we're wired. Our neurocircuitry works differently. So when we break that down, now we can actually hack into that system and do better for ourselves. Um, And we all kind of know, I think, what stress does in a vague sense. You know, oh, cortisol and belly fat and, you know, my doctor says I need to be less stressed out. And if you have any kind of a health condition, you know that it's exacerbated by stress or you know that, that why would you lay in bed at night not sleeping when you're tired? It's because there's too much stress. But Really, again, breaking that down fundamentally, stress uh, creates a chain reaction in your body that basically turns on a lot of inflammatory processes that are are bad for our aging, bad for our health, and bad for the things we want to do 
that we can only do in a calm state, like sleep or be reasonable. And it shuts down our higher order thinking brain. And our higher order thinking brain is what separates us from animals. And this is why the nicest person, when they're in a state of stress or fight or flight, can yell, snap, cut someone off in traffic, make a stupid decision. We are very, very different beings when we're in an acute state of stress. So when we well, so let me just take you just to put it in terms that we maybe in uh, in an example. So if I came into your office and I say I'm stressed out, I'm stressed out because I have three kids and a full time job, and I don't have quite enough money to make ends meet, and my husband's divorcing me, he's having an affair with another woman. What do I do? I'm stressed. I am totally okay. stressed. What are you going to do? For me. Well, first of all, thank you for coming in my office because you need you need some help because that would be, yeah. you know, that time in your life is very difficult. Um, so there's two things. Number one is, of course, you're going to have excess stress in a life situation like this, but, but your nervous system can start to react differently to these stressors than it is right now. And that's what I can help you with. I can't make your husband stop cheating. Okay. But I can make your nervous system not react to it in the same way. And I can do that instantaneously. So someone comes into my office and there I say, where, where are you? And here's the key question, not how stressed out are you today or how stressed are you in your life? I can only, we can work with the stress in that moment. It's how do you feel in this moment? And, oh, I'm an 8 out of 10. Okay, great. And immediately I put tech devices in their hands or their pockets that actually hack into the nervous system and that 8 out of 10 will go down to about 4 or 3 in about 30 seconds. And then we keep talking. So I can desensitize their stress as they're talking about this. And again, I didn't change husband. I didn't change kids. I didn't change the money situation. But when the nervous system stops reacting to a stress which is such a high level, then you can think and problem solve and then things um, seem better. Because honestly... When that person's in my office, they're not in front of their husband right then. They're not dealing with a bill coming in the mail right then. In that moment, they actually don't need to be stressed. But we, because we have consciousness, our brains keep churning and burning all these, you know, quote-unquote problems, and we stay chronically stressed out in moments that we actually could be experiencing calm. So, and when we do so that, when we are chronically, chronically stressed, as you described it, uh, even when we're not exact, well, even when we're not in the stressful situation, uh, it's a wear and tear on our bodies. What is it doing to yep. us on a daily basis, specifically? What is it doing to our mind and our body when we're in this constant state of stress? It's not allowing you to think clearly, thinking pessimistically, not being able to plan and organize. It's the blocker of all that's joyful <laughs> and wonderful in life. Um, and it also creates a lot of health problems and sleep problems. And then once sleep problems start, sleep is like the biggest thing for stress. If somebody says, hey, you know, what? I, I got to do one thing for my health. You know, what do I do? And I say, don't go on the ketogenic diet. Just get seven to nine hours <laughs> of sleep every single night and, and don't overcomplicate it. If you're not doing that, Start with that because that's going to give you your biggest bang for your buck in terms of having your body be able to regulate itself and not put you into these states of stress that it doesn't need to. But, you know, we're, once the sleep problems start, then that's another problem that we need to tackle, right? So it's basically yeah. ruin everything. I call it in my book the mercury in the pond. 
You know, you put mercury in a pond, it's going to kind of ruin everything. You know, and then we're all obsessed with, oh, what's going on with the rocks over here? And what's going on with the fish's scales? They're not right. And um, the water's, you know, got all this stuff going on in it. And we're so obsessed with all this little details about what's going on in the pond. But if you take a step back and you go, oh, my gosh, it's the mercury. If we can reduce these levels or get this out of here, then everything starts to get better. You know, what you're saying makes so much sense, and I have to give you an example of that. I have a 96-year-old mother who has actually, in a more general sense, but said exactly what you're saying, sleep is the number one thing. And she always, for 96 years, that's exactly what she, I don't know what you say, focuses on, but getting a good night's sleep. And she's a healthy person in her 90s. It it, it just sort of rang a bell as you're describing it. So number one is sleep. Yeah. You know, I, I love that and how great that she's a healthy 96, that she may have some good longevity genes, which means you do too, and that's great. Congratulations. But Thank you. She also, she has it right. And sometimes, you know, this is really my message, sometimes simple is best. Mm-hmm. You know, here's this wisdom from your 96-year-old healthy mother going, just get sleep. In the meantime, you go online and you see, a thousand different diets that you should be doing and a thousand different things. And it's funny because when I show up as this neuroscience and stress expert, people are like, have, you know, an entire journals ready to take 50 pages of notes of the exact prescription of what they need to do. And I'm like, I'm not going to add three hours to your day. I'm not going to tell you, you have to do 20 more things in your already overcomplicated life. Because you know what that's going to do? It's going to tell. It's going to make you feel like you're still not doing enough, and then you're going to feel guilty when you don't do it. Especially women, men not so much, but women have this thing. You know, we have to do more. We have to be perfect. We have to do this, and that actually can create more stress. <laughs> so my job is to break it all down for people and make stress management less stressful. Let me ask you what, let's talk about maybe childhood. How does, because I think all of this, I imagine, begins in childhood, right? I mean, we, this is how we are, we're sort of, we're raised or, you know, this is how we respond to stress. But how does that fit into our adult stress? Because maybe you can just, you know, discuss that. Yeah. So the, the um, important thing about childhood is, you know, the experiences that we have, the environment that we're in in childhood dictates how our brains develop. And so if you think of having this stress switch in your brain, we all have kind of a default mode. And if I, and there's a score, it's called ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences. And this is basically a score. You can look it up online. It's a 10-question 10, 10 quiz of kind of how much trauma you went through in, high, uh, in, in growing up. You know, did your parents get divorced? Was somebody violent? You know, did bad things happen a lot? And the reason why that is the one, that questionnaire alone will predict health outcomes. Um, Basically, how well you do in life is predicted by these 10 questions. And the reason is, is because your stress switch is calibrating itself as you're growing up. And what kind of a stressful environment am I bathed in? If people are yelling around you, your stress switch goes up. And if that's a chronic state, the default when you're an adult is going to be higher. So if I have somebody who has a great, I had a great childhood. I'm so blessed and so lucky. And I have an ACEs score of zero. So my stress switch baseline score is going to be lower than someone who grew up with parents fighting, arguing, 
dad throwing things, mom leaving every, you know, three months, someone's addicted to something, their baseline stress, which might be about a seven. So they may wake up every day in a state of stress, not being able to react calmly and rationally to what's going on around them. Now, we can alter that, but we have to work for it. Um, And so we essentially, if somebody has a chaotic childhood, or sometimes they have things like, you know, just a predisposition for anxiety or other things, even in the the absence of a chaotic childhood, we see this in a lot of really gifted and, and talented individuals who just perfectionism and putting pressure on themselves, their baseline stress, which is quite high. But we, we then have to work to get the default level down um, in general. And then we're also always kind of, once you get the default level down, then you're less likely to have to react to so many acute stress, I call them ticks, where the, where the actual um, switch goes up, you know. So I could be a baseline of a two, but if I see I get an email from my boss and we're, you know, currently having a really hard time relating, getting along with one another, my stress switch might go up to a seven in that moment. And then what do I do to bring that down, right? But my default kind of rests at a two. Um, Let so me ask you this. Then. What if, say you said you had a great childhood, you were lucky, you were fortunate. And so your baseline is zero. What? How did you get interested in, in uh, actually in the neuroscience of stress, which I would find that interesting because you, you're not a person who gets stressed out or reacts in a, I mean, you with a, a, a zero baseline. <laughs> well, I, let me correct. I don't have a zero base. I have an ACEs score of zero, but which means I didn't have a lot of childhood trauma, but I actually have, um, you know, kind of some OCD characteristics and some, um, genetic kind of anxiety. So my stress, which baseline is not zero. Um, my stress, you know, baseline is actually quite high. I grew up very perfectionistic, very um, straight A student, petrified of getting a B, really, really hard on myself. Um, just very, very, I mean, and I managed it in my college and other things. I really managed it with a lot of exercise and healthy behaviors and good sleep and was able to always kind of experience joy, but with this underpinning of just being so hard on myself. So I had to actually overcome a lot of just um, how I was in the world, even though I had a a great, loving, supportive environment. I don't know what would have happened had I had a chaotic environment. That would have been, you know, nitro and glycerin probably, but (laughs) but thankfully, um, thankfully I didn't. And and the interest in the stress um, came really with, Most neuropsychologists do a lot of assessment and testing and high-level forensic work and court cases and murder trials and all these things, And and I do that too, but I love people, so I also do therapy. And in working with therapy, as a therapist, but with this neuroscience mind, um, I started really asking questions like, well, why do we still have PTSD? And why do we need to have that? If we can get rid of polio for the most part, why can't we get rid of PTSD? What would we have to do? And why does a therapy called EMDR therapy work so much faster than talk therapy? What are these additive components in this therapy that are so much better? You know, people are still talking and listening and they're not doing anything um, else. And I liken it to being a surgeon. You know, you go to a surgeon and you don't go to one surgeon and they're using surgical tools from 1987 and the other ones have the latest and greatest. I mean, they have to innovate and psychology has really innovated, but not everybody's on board with it. 
And not so, everybody knows what EMDR is either. So why don't you explain? No, that? no, which which boggles my mind. It boggles my mind, and I get a lot of patients in who come in and they're like, you know, I love my therapist, right? You know, I'm seeing her for a year. She's really nice. She really helps me. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, but I'm still having panic attacks. And I'm like, what? <laughs> we can get rid of your panic attacks in two, three sessions. Why, why are you still having panic attacks after a year of therapy? Like, you know, this is, this is, um, it, 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 you know, it, it just, I don't know. It blows my mind. And so when I started working, consulting with um, foreign militaries and uh, groups responding to global, global crises, we had to figure out, you know, without a lot of resources, how do you how do you take a whole village after they've, you know, just gone through Ebola, right? And and sixty percent of them have PTSD. How do you get rid of most of that quickly, easily, and without a lot of resources? And so I pulled something called bilateral stimulation. All it is is vibrations. That's all it is. And I know that sounds hocus pocus, but just trust me, this is neuroscience at its finest pull the vibrations and put them in tech devices, wireless tech devices, and it reduces people's stress by 62% in 30 seconds. And this is published research. And the devices are about $160, um, which is very cost-effective, which you need when you're coming up with global solutions because they can be used over and over and over again, not like a vaccine you can only use once, right? So there, you can right. use them over and over again, very inexpensive. They work in 30 seconds, and right after a crisis, if you can go in and just have people reduce their stress with what I call this bottom-up process, it's just physical, but it intervenes in the networks of the brain that control your stress. And by the way, the networks in your brain that control stress are not conscious networks, people. They're pre-conscious networks. They're actually, they dictate how your nervous system responds. And that's another key that you need to know because we keep trying to outwit our stress and outthink our stress and we fail and feel bad about it, but we're using the wrong system to try to, uh, we're using the wrong system to switch it on and off. Okay. What? So, yeah. Okay. So I'm doing all of this and any, anyway, just to, you know, kind of wrap that up, but it, you realize that. You don't even need to talk or think or have insight about anything in order for your body to respond to a, another stimulus and actually calm it down for you. And we know this because soothing music helps and bubble baths help and all these things help calm our nervous system down. It's just that it does it slowly. And it also, you can't do that at work or when you're giving a presentation or you're taking a test. So I've created this way to hack into your stress system while you're just going about your day. So are you saying that we talk therapy, forget about it, we don't need it, we, we don't need talk therapy or counseling or, or psychotherapy? That No, I'm not saying we don't need it. I'm just saying that if you're going to go to talk, if you're going to do a therapy, do I would do more than talk therapy. I think that talk therapists have, are absolutely, and talk therapy is definitely better than nothing. It does a lot, and therapists who are really good can get you to point A to point B. It's a slower process, though, when you're not using bilateral stimulation or you're not using another process like somatic therapy or EMDR, some of these more uh, recent therapies that add physical components to it. You just get a much better effect. What's the most common stress issue that you, that, that you see in your practice? What, what's the, yeah. The most, um, the most common stress, stressor for people 
um, that I see just because of, of I work with a lot of kids and families is, is just modern day parenting uh, stresses and the kids, kids being, you know, parents, parents now take uh, a lot of, are really serious and really uh, perfectionistic about their parenting. And I think that leads to a lot of stress today. You know, I was watching it comedians and cars and coffee the other day and Jerry Seinfeld says, you know, I handed my kid, somebody said they handed their kid a spoon and thought, I'm such a great dad. (laughs) And, and that's not, that's, that's not happening right now. People are really stressed out about their kids and schools and this and that and all these issues and everything. And, and the, the video game addiction in the modern world, I think is really hard for parents because I have a lot of, people that I know, their kids don't even care if they get driver's licenses right now, which is so crazy, you know, because they're yeah. like, well, I have everything I need at home. And just the isolative nature of, of having all this technology and every single piece of information and everything you want when you want it in your home now um, is hard. And then now more than ever, we're living out of accordance with how we're naturally supposed to be living. You know, we're actually supposed to be outdoors. We're not supposed to be bathed in artificial light every night that disrupts our circadian rhythm and our sleep patterns. We're not supposed to have so much access to information and we're just bombarded with all this stuff. And I think our bodies have not evolved to be equipped to regulate in this kind of environment. And so we're really, our baseline dysregulation is causing our, all of our default stress switches are a little bit higher. And then certainly the political climate right now um, is, is very stressful for people also. Yeah, so those three things, uh, what you're saying, I mean, parenting, which I, I see all the time as a social worker, I, I, I totally agree with you. It's a, First of all, the information that these parents have, I th- they're bombarded with information, being isolated. We're not, we're social animals, too, are, uh, as, yeah. so that we're we shouldn't be in isolation. Community. Yeah. No, and we feel like we're connected, but we're not really. Because the way, you know, connection, it's different when you're, you know, doing a rain dance and, and, and it's in moonlight and drumming and there's fires and all these things. And that's how we evolved, right? But our connections now are looking at Facebook and feeling this vague sense of connection, but it's, it's a wash in social comparison, which actually makes us feeling a little bit depressed because we're looking, you know, we know our own blooper reel and we're looking at everybody else's highlights, right? And, yeah. and so this is social comparison all the time and, and all the media and, and, and all that. So it really, um, our, our lives don't support our nervous systems to regulate for us. So I think all of us have our default stress, which being kind of ratcheted up for us by modern day life. And it's our job to do some things to bring our defaults down to as low as possible. And to also in those moments when there is a trigger, right? A fire alarm or um, somebody yelling at you or, you know, something like that, that actually your nervous system just reacts, your stress switch goes up. We owe it to ourselves to get our stress switch down as quickly as possible in those moments so that we can re-regulate as quickly as possible. And the tech devices I mentioned um, have been shown to restore cortisol levels to normal much faster than with a control. So they are, in effect, um, once you are getting stressed out, they're actually lowering your stress after that 
stressor happens more quickly. And that's key for your body's inflammation and for your thought processes and all those things. Because right now we're sort of um, really in kind of a dire state, I think, as a culture. Our, our stress levels really have never been higher. So um, what and is, and I think one of the issues, too, is I mean, I'm getting back to the isolation um, communication. I see in the younger generations an inability to communicate because of this isolation. They don't talk to one another. As you, they don't even want to, as you say, get driver's licenses and get out there. But uh, isn't that, it would seem to me that would be a real stressor on your system because you're not communicating, you're not talking, you're not um in person, everything. So talk to us about that. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting thing. I've grappled with that. So I have a 12-year-old son, and he's um, he just loves technology. And so, you know, but I when I watch him play technology, he sometimes will have a kind of a FaceTime sort of screen up while he's playing a game, interacting with someone, and he's actually talk chatting with other people on the game. And sometimes he'll have, you know, like a group, um, kind of like a conference call going sort of online or all these things. So my question is, they, they are communicating, even in their little tech worlds and things like that. They're, I think this is different than watching TV. And they're, they are communicating. And, you know, because I say, hey, let's have a, what, who do you want your friends to come over? And he's like, well, I don't need my friends to come over. I'm already talking to them. He's talking to them before school sometimes, if I let him on tech, after school, all this. He's doing a lot of communicating. This is different than the kid in the 80s who's sitting in front of the TV eight hours a day. Yeah. That's an interesting comparison because I really hadn't thought about that. I We have only two minutes left. Uh, this is fa- your ho- the topic, the book, everything's fascinating. And there is so much more, obviously, to talk about, but the, all of there's a whole lot of other things obviously, in your book, too. So let's, I mean, we because we have to say goodbye. So just tell everyone where we, the stress switch is the title of your book, The Truth About Stress and How to Short Circuit It, Dr. Amy Saren. Um, tell us where we can go to get more information. What website? You can go to amysarin.com. It's A-M-Y-S-E-R-I-N.com. And you can uh, get the book there or at Amazon. And you can also um, look at the uh, the touch points, those tech products that I was talking about. Great. Great talking to you today. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much. Thanks. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Mm-hmm. 